We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey, hey, welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 31. Today, we are talking about something that I am extremely passionate about. If you follow along in my stories, you know that I am always at the gym. I love working out. I love lifting weights, kind of like cardio, working on loving cardio more, but I love fitness and I love how it improves your riding ability. And I think it is something that the rest of the industry is slowly adopting the mentality of cross training for improving your overall riding ability. Our guest today is the founder of The Fit Equestrian, and her story is absolutely remarkable. Not just the fact that she was able to turn something that was into a little side hobby into her full-time career, but how she has chosen something such as fitness for the equestrian industry and found so many people like her that were in need of the same thing. So let's talk fitness. I'm pumped. Can you tell? Here's our guest, Lauren Mayer. Tell me a little bit about, I guess we'll, we'll start from the beginning, how you kind of got into the equestrian world as a rider. Yeah, it was definitely because of my family. My mom and my older sister and a couple other people in our family rode their entire lives. Definitely like in the family. So my sister was seven years older than me and she was riding competitively. And so I just kind of like got carted to the barn every day. And I, you know, took lessons on ponies and went to all the horse shows with them, but it was definitely more for fun and not super competitive. And when I was in fifth grade, my sister left for college and I just kind of stopped going to the barn and stopped riding. And it took me until I believe my senior year of high school to realize I really missed it and that it really was something I wanted to do and that I was passionate about. And I really missed like even just being around horses. So I got back into riding, started taking some lessons And then I started as a freshman at the University of Delaware, I believe that was 2015. And I joined the IHSA team there, which was a really great experience. Um, I met most of my college friends on the team. So I was really motivated to improve, which was like difficult riding on an IHSA team. Um, It was a great experience, but it's hard to improve when you're only taking one lesson a week um, and you don't have a horse to help teach you. That's actually what started the Fit Equestrian because I started going to the gym to try and improve my riding. Very cool. Side note, my husband's from Delaware, so you don't hear University of Delaware all that often. Yeah, that's cool. It's definitely a small state. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So, wow. So it kind of stemmed from, and this is like something I always try to touch on in the Equestrian podcast is areas of the industry that aren't often talked about or, you know, communicated about. It definitely seemed like there was a little bit of a gap for you in the industry where you were looking to excel and looking to get better and not really knowing how to do that if you physically didn't have the hours on a horse that you wanted every week and the training. You just decided to go to the gym, figured that like strength would help your overall Mm -hmm. riding ability. What did those uh, beginning workouts look like? I started getting passionate about working out just in general around the same time I started riding. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a coincidence that 
they ended up being combined and becoming this business for me. I think because I became passionate about those two things at the same time, they kind of meshed into each other. I was doing some more like bodybuilding type workouts. That was what I found exciting and fun. I really hated going to the gym all through high school because I would go and just get on a cardio machine and I just felt like it was so boring. But then I started lifting weights and I really thought that was fun and empowering. So I stuck with that. And so those first workouts were definitely more strength training based. And I eventually did start incorporating some cardio as well, because it's obviously important for riding to have Mm -hmm. good stamina um, and just important for your overall health. But yeah, they were definitely strength training based, um, a lot of stuff with weights. But yeah, I was like doing a lot of research, trying to figure out you know, if my lower leg is swinging or I'm pinching with the knee, what muscles can I stretch and which muscles can I strengthen, try and fix that problem so that when I get in my lesson, I can really work on that. Awesome. So you were working out and and how long would you say it took from the point of doing the research and using it on yourself to realizing, oh, hey, I feel like I might kind of have a business model here. I believe it was, so this was all happening during my freshman year of college. I ended up getting certified as a personal trainer that next summer at home because I wanted to learn more. And at that point, I was so interested in fitness that I thought that I wanted to be a personal trainer. And I got certified, which I'm glad that I did because it now has given me the, the skills to run this business. But at the time, I thought I wanted to work in a gym and be a personal trainer and got certified applied for a job at the gym at school, got a job there. And like within a week, I just hated it. And I think it was because I realized that my passion for fitness was not really about the fitness. It was about the equestrian part of it. And I was really interested. I really wanted to help girls that were on my team, um, my fellow riders. And I didn't really feel passionate at all about helping just the average person, which obviously there are a lot of people that are passionate about that, but that just wasn't for me. And I realized that it was the connection between the fitness and the riding that I was interested in, not just the fitness. Right. Do you find that equestrians are more willing to stick to a program versus non-equestrians? I think so. I think we're pretty motivated as a as a group and pretty competitive. So I think I think similar to any group of athletes valuing cross training. Yeah, I don't <laughs> maybe it's just that all my friends ride and I live a mile from the barn and most of my life revolves around riding and my business that yeah. I don't see a lot of regular people or experience a lot of regular people in the fitness world. So I'm not sure. totally sure. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that to me because like what you were touching on about how equestrians seem to be more motivated and there's definitely mm-hmm. more of a push lately in the equestrian industry for cross training and overall fitness Yeah, that we really haven't seen all that much before. So it's exciting to see people catching on and understanding the benefit of training outside of the saddle. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm excited that it's gaining popularity. And when I first started this whole thing, I had no idea that this many people would be interested in this or that there were this many other people out there that had the same passions as me. So it's exciting. And even, you know, right off the bat, and it was winter of 2017, there was even a big audience that was interested in it. And obviously that's grown exponentially now, which I think is great. I'm glad the equestrian community is moving as a group towards more of a healthy lifestyle. Like in the past, it's like, you know, a lot of smoking cigarettes and eating fast food and greasy fried food, foods at horse shows. And I'm really like happy to see a lot of healthier options at horse shows and just like a general push towards health and well-being. 
Definitely. So what would you say is one of the biggest challenges to your position with the fit question. I mean, obviously you have a lot of different facets to Mm -hmm. your job. Are you still involved in kind of like one-on-one training or is it primarily through guides? How does that look like now? Most of what I do is like the behind the scenes of the business and making the programs. Mm -hmm. I have someone else help with the one-on-one training that we do because that's just too much. And she's actually more qualified than I am. So she's perfect for that. But yeah, the thing I love about my job is that I get to do so many different things. I get to do design. I get to do web design. I get to do finances. I get to do marketing, advertising. I get to do everything. And I really like that because it keeps it really interesting. But at the same time, that's obviously can be really stressful to be managing all of those aspects of the business in your head Mm -hmm. as one person. It definitely can get stressful, but that is what I love about it. Yeah, definitely. So you have been out of college for about a year now, right? Or six months or so? Yeah, yeah. Did you go right from, because now I know you're doing this full time. Did you Mm -hmm. go right from college to doing this full time? Yes, I did. Um, I had decided the fall of my senior year that I was going to be doing this full time. The summer before my senior year, I still was thinking I would apply for a job in an office and would keep doing this on the side. And maybe eventually when I was older, this would become my full-time job. But I worked in an ad agency in New York City the summer before my senior year. And it was really exciting. And I was hoping that that I was going to get a job offer there. And I would live in New York City and work at this cool ad agency. It was in the Empire State Building. And I would keep doing my business on the side. But they didn't end up giving me an offer, which I'm actually glad because... I don't think I would have been happy doing that because I wouldn't have really been able to ride. And I ended up making the decision to just do everything I can to make my business be like a full-time job for me and make enough money for me to live off of. And I I made it happen because I was just very determined to... At the time, I had much rather... Like it was much more interesting for me to just work really hard on the business than work really hard to find an office job that I wasn't going to enjoy. Right. So I did that. So I spent all of my senior year working on that and I'm really glad that I did. And then I ended up buying a horse and I now live a mile from the barn. So it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Let's talk about the business aspect of the Fit Equestrian for a second, because I feel like There are a lot of people out there, probably um, the people who are listening to this podcast who really resonate with the feeling of wanting to start their own business within the equestrian industry. I know I've talked to so many people who they might have an idea, but they don't know how to turn that into a business that is self-sustaining. So what, what do you feel like are some of the things that you had to do to get from kind of that point A to point B where it was maybe kind of started out as like a hobby and just like a thing, maybe, maybe kind of tracking for yourself. And then like, whoa, turned into something that you saw there was a need for a and B a lot of other people were interested in. How did you go from that to, okay, I'm making enough money that after college, this is going to be my full-time career and it'll be sustaining. What did that look like? I think there are a couple different factors that contributed to me being able to make this my full-time job. I think the first one is that um, at the time that I started the Fit Equestrian, there, and even still now, there are very few other businesses doing the same thing. And if they Mm -hmm. are, it's not digitally. And it was, I had never 
thought that I wanted to just start my own business. Like I never, the idea came first and then I felt like, not that I had to turn it into a business, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity. So it was definitely more based on the idea and not just that I wanted to start a business. But the other aspect that I think made the Fit Question successful and what has allowed me to make it my full-time job is that, and I don't know how this translates into other people's ideas, but the fact that many of our products are digital and there's not really a cost associated with that. So I think from a financial standpoint, that really helps us out that obviously there's cost involved with creating the guide at first, but it's not like a t-shirt or a mm-hmm. hat where there's a cost. Once we make the guides, they're a hundred percent profit. So I think right. that really, really, really helps us. But I think, you know, in this new digital world, I think that actually could be helpful for some people that digital products are very profitable right. and, and in a way easier to manage. Like there was a lot less work for me to do when we were just mostly selling programs and not really selling any apparel. And now that we've moved into more apparel, there's a lot more work for me to have to do. Um, like folding everything when it comes in and (laughs) shipping out orders like with the digital stuff it's just all automated and it's much more profitable like at the end of the month when I look at all the finances almost like three quarters of our income comes from just the programs right and the, the apparel just is like kind of for fun and helps some more branding and free advertising people wearing this stuff and I enjoy designing this stuff but yeah it's definitely not the money maker Right. Definitely. And I also feel like you do a really nice job of making these guides and programs at a really nice, friendly price point where people feel like they can try something out of yours, see if they like it, and then can kind of get hooked and go from there and and start kind of collecting all of your programs because it's at a price point that is uh, okay. You know, if it's multiple hundreds of dollars or in the thousands, that you see a lot of programs or or fitness programs or um, things like that, it's a little scary to just kind of take the plunge and make that investment without really seeing what the program entails. Yeah, I agree. I think that's definitely something we've kept in mind. And um, yeah, when something's between 15 and and $35, it's like, you feel like you can kind of like try something out. $35 is so expensive. But when you think about it in terms of like, one riding lesson is typically more than that. Exactly. And that's just one riding lesson and then it's over and that's it. The guide has multiple workouts in it and it can last you years, even if you make adjustments to it, like switching things around, increasing the weight. So Mm -hmm. we like to think about it like that, like in terms of the horse world, Mm -hmm. it is really, really inexpensive. Hey guys, interrupting you really quick to remind you, my favorite time of the year, Black Friday is fast approaching. Each year I come out with a free online holiday lookbook that goes over all of the big deals in the equestrian industry, as well as staying up to date on the fashion trends. So head over to myequestrianstyle.com slash lookbook to sign up for early access so that as soon as the lookbook comes out, you'll be the first to know. All right, that wasn't so bad, was it? (laughs) Let's get back to the episode. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a a really great part of your business. Um, At what point, because I know when when I had first found you a while back now, I think you had maybe had just started dabbling in 
merchandise. What was kind of the background behind, okay, I offer programs and one-on-one coaching and um, kind of dipping into that because it's like a whole new beast. It's almost like a whole new business in and of itself. Yeah, definitely. I think, I believe we started off with stickers, something simple. I don't fully remember, but I'm going to go ahead and say it was people had requested it. But yeah, and I also like, it's something I'm personally passionate about. Um, I like fashion. I actually, when I was in middle school, wanted to be a fashion designer. So Cool. It just like naturally happened because I came up with these ideas in my head and I felt like people would want to buy them. And luckily I was right. But yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, growing and growing and growing. And um, I would like to continue to focus more on the programs because that's the core of what we are potentially in the future. Coming out with some clothing line that done very well combines, you know, the equestrian aspect and the fitness aspect, like a really nice line of performance apparel. Um, but I definitely wanted to do that right and take my time with that if that's something we do end up doing. But that's something I feel like would be really on brand for us. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. What does the marketing aspect of your business look like? I mean, obviously you have a good um, social media presence like on your Instagram account, but what do you do to kind of spread the word with the services that you provide? Yeah, I think luckily we have a big organic following on Instagram. So that's really nice to have like, you know, free advertising right on there. So we do as much as we can through all the social channels organically. And then on top of that, we do run Facebook ads. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe we started with those late last spring. That's definitely been interesting playing around with that and seeing how that goes. It's definitely a lot of trial and error. Um, Totally. But I think it's nice because it's not as expensive as a print ad. We've done a couple of print ads and I really didn't feel like they did anything because I Mm. feel like, although I felt like we were reaching audiences that I believed would be interested in our products, I think the digital ad just makes so much more sense for us because if someone's interested in a digital product through a digital ad, they can just click on it and get right to the product. Whereas in a print ad, it's like, you know, then they have to go get on the computer or get on their phone, look it up themselves. Um, I think it's definitely good exposure if you have the budget for it. But if you're on a smaller budget, Facebook and Instagram advertising is definitely the way to go. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I love Facebook ads and Instagram ads. They're amazing. I'm We're yeah. working on them right now for launching the holiday lookbook um, for Thanksgiving. Awesome. So busy, busy time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so exciting. I mean, if there is obviously your, uh, the equestrian industry is already a pretty tiny niche when you Mm -hmm. look at it at first glance within your smaller niche of equestrian fitness. Is there an area that you feel like you're very passionate about that you feel like doesn't get enough exposure? People don't talk a lot about or know a lot about. Yeah. I think something that we need to start talking about more that in the past I've not, I don't want to say avoided talking about on our social media platforms, but I wasn't really sure how to go about it, but we actually had one of our brand ambassadors write an article that came out today on body image and her struggle with body image in the equestrian world. And that was kind of a nice platform for us to start talking and start the conversation about body image in our sport, because as an equestrian fitness brand, I feel like we definitely have a good like voice in that area. And we definitely want to promote acceptance of all body types in that like equestrian fitness to us doesn't mean having a certain body type. It means Mm -hmm. being strong, being confident, loving riding, loving horses, um, and not looking a certain way. And it's all about like what's on the inside. And I think obviously for years and years and years, there's been a 
body type, like stereotype about what riders should look like. And I think it's time that changes. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's going to take a lot of people, I feel like, yeah. to make that difference. But it, it this is kind of like how it starts. So that's really impressive that that can kind of be part of your voice and part of your um, legacy with the Fit Equestrian. That's yeah. really, really cool. Is there a normal day, like day-to-day life for you? Or does every day kind of look different? Do you want to walk us through like a normal day f- for you? Yeah, definitely. They're pretty much the same. <laughs> um So I wake up, usually end up like sitting down at my desk around 8, 8.30 and I'll do like maybe an hour to two hours of work, eat breakfast, get ready, and then I'll head to the barn. I'll be there for a couple hours. I usually will ride my horse and maybe ride a couple other ones. There's a lot of ponies at our barn, so that's fun. I'm five foot two, so um, I fit right on the ponies. So (laughs) I usually ride a couple of ponies if they need to be ridden um, and just hang out there. And then I'll come back, do a couple more hours. It's definitely hard to stay. I mean, I am very motivated, but it's definitely hard, really hard to structure your day and get all of the work done that you need to do with, without anyone telling you you have to do it, especially being 22. Sure. Um, so I definitely learned that I make a lot of to-do lists. I have a lot of reminders. But yeah, I just try and get as much done as I can as early in the day as possible because usually as the day goes on, I get a little more tired, but, um, yeah, usually the rest of the day after I get back from the barn is working. If I can get to the gym, I'll get to the gym, but my gym is like 15 ish minutes from my house. So Mm. it doesn't always happen. And with riding, I always tell people like there's a different cross training regimen that works better for everyone. For me right now, I don't feel like I need to go to the gym every day if I'm riding multiple horses. Um, so I try and focus on eating like a well-rounded diet and stretching and foam rolling as much as possible and maybe getting to the gym like two to three times a week. Mm. Um, and that was definitely hard transitioning from being a freshman in college and riding once a week and going to the gym six days a week to realizing that it's okay to not go to the gym six times a week and that it's not, that wouldn't be healthy for me right now. So, um, I've learned where my balance is and if I don't make it to the gym at all, any times, any days a week, then that's totally fine. Cause sometimes I think it's more important to focus on like your overall well being than like a gym workout. So sure. I'll make it to the gym if I can, and then make dinner and just hang out for the rest of the night. I try not to work right before bed, but it's hard. A lot of times I get like spurts of motivation at like 9 PM <laughs> <laughs> yep. and then I end up like working until 11 when I shouldn't be, but yeah, it's generally like that a little bit of work in the morning, riding in the afternoon, and then finishing my work in the evening time. Cool. And what would you say is like, if you could give me your average breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would those look like? I can tell you what I'm eating today even. Yeah. So um, this might actually not seem super healthy, but it's what works for me. And I think that it is healthy for me, but typically like people wouldn't think a bagel with cream cheese in the morning is a Mm -hmm. healthy thing to have. But I feel like I like to have a lot of carbs and just like a lot of energy in the morning. I know some people don't like to eat breakfast at all. And I don't understand that. Like I'm so (laughs) hungry when I wake up. So I like to eat a lot in the morning so that like that'll fuel my rides and like kind of get my brain started. I feel like I can't think until I've eaten and I have like energy in my body. So I have like a bagel with a lot of cream cheese on it and that's nice and yummy. And then that'll last me usually until after the barn 
I get back around noon. And today I had a whole grain tortilla with two scrambled eggs, spinach, um, a little bit of avocado and hot sauce and like rolled it up into a burrito and it was really good. So it was like some nice protein after riding four horses. (laughs) Um, that was good. And then, um, I'll probably have some sort of snack in the afternoon, maybe like an apple with peanut butter or a yogurt. And then for dinner, I plan on having um, brown rice, a bunch of roasted vegetables and tofu. And I'll either make like a peanut sauce or just put soy sauce on it. That's something super simple that like when I don't know what I want to make, I'll just like roast a bunch of veggies and make like rice or quinoa and then throw some sort of protein source in there. Yeah. And I do eat meat, but tofu is like so easy. Like if you don't feel like cooking meat, it's just so easy to open the package, drain it and like cut it up into cubes and eat it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely nice if you're busy to do something like that. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. I think that it's also important to note that you don't have a ton of restrictions for yourself when it comes to diet. Yeah. Um, funny. I actually thought that I had celiac disease for a really long time, which just means you can't eat gluten. Mm -hmm. So I was gluten-free for a really, really long time, like six years. And I never finished getting all the testing done, but it was easier for me at the time. I didn't feel like getting all those tests done. So I just decided to assume I had it and Mm -hmm. live on a strict gluten-free diet, which was very restricting. But in the past couple months, I, I actually ate something by accident that had gluten in it and nothing happened huh. and I was completely fine. And I was like, and I had never had any symptoms. Um, it's genetic and I, it came up on a blood test that I have the gene and my older sister has celiac disease. So yeah, I just decided to assume I had it just to play it safe. But, um, I've recently discovered that I don't have it and that yeah. I, so I've started to eat gluten again and it's really nice to not feel restricted by anything. Obviously mm-hmm. some people have like a dairy intolerance or they have celiac disease or just a gluten allergy and they can't eat certain things, which I obviously understand, but it's been really nice to feel like I can eat whatever I want. Like I remember thinking when I started eating gluten again, that I was going to want to eat all this unhealthy stuff all the time. And I wasn't going to be able to control myself and I was going to gain weight. And that didn't happen. Cause I think mm-hmm. when you don't feel restricted, your body balances everything out for you. Yeah. Um, and your cravings kind of tell you, what you should and shouldn't be eating for your body. So I think if you just eat what you want to eat when you crave it, I think your body kind of levels out. Like maybe for a day, you'll like eat a big piece of chocolate cake and a bunch of unhealthy stuff all day. And then the next day, like for me, I ate, I remember I had like a frozen pizza and then a lot of French fries with blue cheese dressing. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, like all I craved was vegetables. Like I just wanted vegetables because my body was like... You what just happened? Nutrients. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's like, that's healthy, like to just listen to your cravings and then let your body figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a really good point. And then walk me through what a, a like an average gym session would look like for you. Yeah. I have like a couple different workouts that I kind of rotate through and I should probably switch it up, but I do really like them throughout the week. I try and do like one session where I do maybe like 20, 30 minutes of cardio just to like sweat and get my heart rate up. Ideally, maybe that would be two times a week, but that doesn't usually happen. Then I also like to do um, at least one day of core work and at least one day of lower body, mostly like leg strength stuff. Um, I usually don't do 
maybe I'll do like a couple upper body exercises, but I actually go to physical therapy for my, I've pretty bad scoliosis. Um, so I go to physical therapy to manage that. And my physical therapist has me do a lot of upper body work there. So that's kind of like my upper body workout for the week. But yeah, my, my kind of like go-to leg strength workout is pretty similar to the one that's in our boot camp program. Um, but just like modified a little bit for what works best for me. Um, I like to do Romanian deadlifts with dumbbells. I like that a lot. I like to do curtsy lunges, which I believe those are also in our program split squats where you have your back leg up on like a bench or a chair and then it's kind of like a lunge but with your back leg up I love those those are um, my favorite too I love yeah those. definitely feel the burn with those and then and then I like to do a lot of like lower leg kind of like fine tuning with the resistance band um, a lot of stuff that's in our lower leg strength program because mm-hmm. working on keeping my lower leg strong my horses I love him but he like takes a lot of leg and sometimes when I get tired I get a little like flaily mm-hmm. and like <laughs> desperate looking sure. so I'm trying to like strengthen my leg so that I can keep it still while I use it instead of having to like pony kick right yeah <laughs> not a not a great look on an adult <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yep. and then what would be what's your like go-to ab workout I did this workout on Sunday that I loved um it was new so basically you use whatever exercises you want to use, whatever ab workouts you like. But I did um, one exercise for 30 seconds, another exercise for 30 seconds, and then rest for 30 seconds. And then again, so basically it's a minute on, 30 seconds off, a minute on, 30 seconds off. And it's really hard. I actually, I thought I was going to be able to do 20 minutes of that. And that was a joke. <laughs> like I got like five minutes in and I was like, I need to rest Dead. for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I think that was fun because I was able to use like, you know how sometimes you're doing a circuit of exercises and you're just like, there's that one exercise you don't feel like doing mm-hmm. that kind of avoids that. Cause you're like, you can just do whatever ab stuff you want to do. As long as you're doing something during that minute, mm-hmm. like just do whatever you want. I was mostly doing planks, mountain climbers, bicycle crunches, toe taps, stuff like that. All body weight. Yeah. And which is so funny. Cause you're like, I could, I could do this for like 15, 20 minutes. And then you get into it and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't my abs. (laughs) Five minutes later, I literally couldn't do one bicycle crunch. And I was like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) All in it. But that's definitely a good one to do at home. Yeah. You can't make it to the gym. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to give us some of your knowledge on all things equestrian fitness and with your business. Um, You're doing so, so well, and I just wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.